0: So over the last couple of weeks, we have been looking at um, the book of Acts, which is a fascinating book. Every single chapter that I have read thus far this summer, some sitting under the teaching of some of our uh, elders, sometimes in my own study, and just enjoying the book, There's, there's not one chapter that answers every question that I want. And there's not one chapter that isn't full of very interesting actions and speeches last chapter was a little more speech-heavy. This one was a little more action-heavy. And and the one thing that I think you need to know to understand Acts chapter 8 is that in Acts chapter 7, the Jewish leaders executed a man named Stephen. You need to know that because chapter 8 verse 1 says, And Saul approved, approved of his execution. And you're like, whoa, unless you saw the headings from chapter 7. And one of the things that um, I wanted to point out, perhaps you were wondering this, um, the text doesn't say it, but in my study of both the Roman occupation and Jewish law at the time, this was not legal, what they did. It was not legal under Roman rule for the Jews to do that. So sometimes, I don't know if you're like me, even though I am a pastor and I deeply appreciate the good news of Jesus and um, it's... <laughs> it's very good news, I still sometimes am reading the Scripture and it doesn't immediately come alive to me, and so I'll just be reading it, right? Like, well, then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, so I'm reading about them killing a man for saying that Jesus is Lord, and that's shocking. And then I'm studying, and under Roman occupation, that was not legal. Um, What's happening in chapter 6 and 7 and 8 is all of the Christians thus far are Jewish followers of God who were beginning to say Jesus is the Messiah. They were calling him Jesus Christ, his Lord. And a number of things start happening all at the same time, and chapter 8 will cover them. One is that the, a number of Jewish leaders become more and more unhappy with this. I don't know if unhappy is the right word for dragging men and women to prison, killing a man in chapter 7. Um, a number of men and women are also converting to Christianity, And in chapter 8, we'll see the first couple of non-Jewish converts to Christianity. At the same time, in chapter 7 and then chapter 8, there's a foreshadowing of a very strange welcome for a man named Paul. His name in chapter 7 and chapter 8 is not Paul, but there's some foreshadowing about this. And what's happening is... Um, Jewish men and women are looking at other Jewish men and women. They're all following the same God, and they know that, but what the, the Christians were saying, they were called followers of the way then, and then they started to use the term Christian a little later. It's actually a pejorative term, initially negative. Um, the Jewish men and women were unsure about the Christians saying the temple is unnecessary anymore, and that's where the conflict is coming from. So chapter 8 uh, is, is a decently long one, not as long as some, Very little preaching, but a very interesting story. If you have your Bible, I'm looking at Acts chapter 8 today. A lot of interesting characters in Acts chapter 8, which means I get to say lots of interesting words as I read it. On your your device, or if you have your Bible, starting in verse 1, and Saul approved of his execution. That was a deacon in the church named Stephen who was murdered illegally. a deacon, but he's a good preacher also. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits came out of many who were possessed, crying with a loud voice, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. So this is the beginning of non-Jewish people coming to faith in Christ. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip, and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, because this is new. It was new to them to think of a Samarian being the same in faith as them. They sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them, That they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon, the magician, saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter for your heart is not right before God. Repent therefore of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity. I think that's what we should all say to the next person we get to an argument with. We should close (laughs) the argument that way. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Just throwing that out there, verse 23, if you want to use it for your own purposes. Picking up in verse 24, And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Which is a pretty good response, actually. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many village villages of the Samaritans. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise. And go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, an Ethiopian, which at that time meant a, a lar- much larger area than you and I think. It means south of Egypt, basically. A eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. And was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. So the Bible is a long book. Now it's 40 verses from one chapter about the beginning of the early church. How many verses do you wish there were a few more answers to in just that section? Can we hear a little more about your explanation of the good news? Can we hear a little more about the Spirit serving as a transportation system for Philip? What? What? What was that like, Luke? Luke wasn't there. Later in the book of Acts, Luke will start saying, we went here and we went there, so he was there. But he interviewed these people, probably interviewed Philip, might have interviewed the Ethiopian eunuch. I think he probably interviewed Simon the magician. That's why the details about Simon the magician are so specific, which, by the way, is evidence that the book of Acts is historically accurate. Not attempting to convince you that The Holy Spirit can transport someone from one city to another. I am saying that the proof of the governments, even of Africa, the incredible detail about these things that continues to be uh, evidentially verified in our archaeology is proof that the Bible is to a large extent verifiable, separating the the people in the texts from the supernatural, just for the sake of argument. What's happening is... God is making abundantly clear that everyone is welcome in his kingdom. The enemy of the church, Saul, is welcome in his kingdom. You don't believe me? You can read Acts chapter 9. The eunuch, how many times did Luke say the word eunuch? Like six? Were you tired of it? Were you sort of like, wow, I've never heard the word eunuch this many times before? He would not have been able to be baptized into the Jewish faith in the way that they understood it. Not because God wasn't for everyone, but the way that they understood a foreigner coming to faith in God, which he already had, that's why he was reading a scroll of the book of Isaiah in his chariot, they would not have baptized him. They wouldn't have said, you're not a follower, but they wouldn't have baptized him. But now they do, because they understand a little more clearly that God is for everyone. The Samaritans, Jews and Samaritans really didn't get along. This is where I take my 15-minute explanation of that and I just said it right here and I'm just asking you to trust me. They really didn't like each other. And here are entire towns coming to faith in Jesus, being baptized and being filled with the Spirit. And that's a challenging little text that they believed and were baptized and they weren't filled with the Spirit. I'm going to say two things about it that are going to make you more frustrated. If you care. If you don't care, you'll just be like, oh, he said more things. Hmm. One, that section of Scripture is entirely unique. 100%. There's no other story like that. Two, this is what Jesus or Peter said in Acts chapter 2. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So how come Peter said that, and how come the Samaritans didn't receive it right away? Luke, a couple more verses, buddy. I would like to know more about what was happening there. But he just continues on with the story. Because the main thing happening is all are welcome. That's actually the clearest reason that that happened in the Samaritan towns was so that Jewish men and women had to go see it so they would know that all are welcome to the healing, to the new life, to the joy and the peace that comes with following Jesus. Everyone's welcome magicians, people of different races who don't know all of the history, people who are different, people who have been deeply hurt by the system of government and world they were born into, like the Ethiopian man. Quick question. I expect a very low answer to this. How many of you could tell this painting was upside down? Thank you. I'm not sure I believe you, but thank you. <laughs> so in 2014, I asked one of our painters to paint um, based upon why we even do church. The series then was called Why Gather? It was a vision series for the church. And uh, she did not finish the painting in time for that series. But then after she finished it, she named it Asylum. And I love that title for the church because it is a welcoming place for all people and we are all very needy and in need of healing. And Acts chapter 8 in incredibly fantastic storytelling fashion because it all happened that way tells us the story of God's inclusion of an enemy of the church, Saul of an Ethiopian man who had been very hurt by his government, his life story, a magician, men and women that initially, Jewish men and women did not think were followers. They're all welcomed in. And yet, there, even though Acts chapter 8 is unique in the way it describes the Holy Spirit, this does remind us that Christianity is the religion where religion isn't enough. Christianity is the religion where doing religious activity is actually bad if your motivation is not thankfulness for the work of Jesus Christ. Christianity is the religion where the religion is actually toxic if it's just a thing that we believe and do. And it's not a motivation of love that we know God is a good father But because of the work of Jesus Christ, we're saved, and then we know that we have the Holy Spirit. You're like, why are you talking about that? Because what happened with the Samaritans still happens today. There are men and women who believe intellectually, but nothing's different about their life. What I believe happened with those Samaritans is that they believed, they heard Philip and agreed in their mind, like, yes, okay, that's all good and true, And they were not yet assured in their being that they were loved by God. I think that's what happened. But the importance of it is more than that. It was important for Peter and John to go there for Peter and John's growth. But I still want to say to you and I do you know? Like, do you know? Do you know? That God loves you and likes you. That he's for you. She's testifying. You can say amen. I think that the the reason that the longest part of Acts chapter 8 is not what the heck was it like that the Holy Spirit took Philip and spirited him away, the longest part of the text is about Simon the magician because it's so helpful to you and I to see someone wrestling honestly, so much more honest than most of us. He tries to offer Peter money to have the power because wouldn't that be impressive? Simon believes and he wants his Christianity to be useful in his business and personal life. He wants people to be impressed The good news of Jesus includes some bad news. You and I cannot know enough to be saved or to impress other people in a way that will give us peace in our hearts. We cannot accomplish enough to be saved or to impress other people enough to have peace in our hearts. We cannot be enough or impress enough people. And in fact, it's when we know that that we're able to receive the joy that he is enough for us. It's actually in weakness that we receive. So the, in Acts chapter eight, the conflict and the welcome are escalating, and God, God's love is for all sorts of folks, rich and poor. sexually confused, and arrogant. Those who believe but are not yet filled and then become filled. Conflict and welcome escalate with all sorts of folks who believe and are then filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled means that our religion becomes not just belief and activity, but it's faith and trust. We do religious things because of our affections. Because we are so thankful to God. Not because we believe they accomplish anything in and of themselves. That's the whole argument between Simon and Peter. Simon the magician and Peter the apostle. Some of you have believed for a long time and you have never sensed that you're loved by God. You have taken the sacrament because you profess the apostle's creed. You have sang songs because you believe religious activity matters and it does as a response of love. Here's the one thing you can do if you're thinking in your head right now, I have never been filled with the Spirit. There is one thing that you can do. You can pray to be filled with the Spirit. And more importantly and more risky and more seemingly silly to the outside world, ask a friend to pray with you for that filling. It's a move of of risky friendship, but it's what we can do. And I would encourage you as we take the sacrament, if you believe, but you have never sensed in your bones the peace and the joy that you are loved and because of the work of Christ reconciled to him, to God, pray. Pray. Lord, as I take the sacrament, fill me with your spirit.